This is a special presentation of the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister. Welcome from uh, Spotlight Sports Group. I'm Steve McAllister. Uh, with this panel, I, I'm really not so much a moderator as a traffic cop uh, for this deep dive into the successful opening of Ontario sports betting industry. Um, we really are delighted to have a panel that brings uh, experience, expertise, and, and pretty much guarantee we'll, we'll get some entertainment from this trio as well over the, over the next hour. Um, just want to introduce quickly uh, Rick Wolf, the Senior Vice President, B2B Partnerships and Spotlight Sports Group. Rick, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, also mention Rick's a member of the Fantasy Sports Hall of Fame. I don't know if that grates on Nick Solsky or not, or if Nick had a vote in that, but oh, okay, we're, we're, we're getting acknowledgement there. Um, and of course, Nick Salski, the Chief Commercial Officer of Points Back Canada. Nick, thanks for being here. And uh, last but definitely not least, Aubrey Levy, the Senior Vice President of Content and Marketing at the Score, at the Score and the Score Bet. So, Aubrey, thank thank you for being here. Right into it, guys. And Rick, let's we'll start with you. And really, just general observations. I mean, I think we're 40, 45 days now into the uh, into the legal competitive sports betting market in Ontario, and and Rick, from your position to spotlight, maybe just some general observations on what you've seen so far. Yeah, well, you know, from spot, Spotlight's vantage point, I mean, what we do is we provide the ancillary services that allow operators and, and media companies to succeed in the space um, by delivering uh, sports experience and content that allows you to drive, um, you know, affiliation in order to be able to, you know, create first-time depositors. And then more importantly for the guys on this call is creating the experience that keeps people doing it every night. Um, make make an experience where people belong, uh, where they feel like, hey, I'm involved in a community that wants to bet on the games every single night. And uh, I'll tell you, it makes the games more fun to watch. And that's what it's all about um, for sports betting, for fantasy, for anything that you do that's that's uh, that's in the engagement area. So um, from the tr from the, the Canada standpoint, one of the things that you know we were um, surprised about was the level and depth of restrictions. And those restrictions then affect our ability in order to be able to create that community in some ways. Um, but the launch itself from every vantage point that I've heard uh, is thought to be very successful, over 60 operators, and, you know, now running and, and everybody just, um, you know, thrilled with the success of, of the launch and with what's happening so far. Uh, Nick. Yes, Steve. Uh, just, again, just some general thoughts on what, what you've seen from, from points by vantage point so far with the rollout of the market. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's been it's been it's been as competitive as we thought it was going to be. It's 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 about as noisy as we thought it was going to be. You know, I I think that you know the biggest thing from from our perspective is that we're seven weeks in now, and you know because we decided to open up and build a team specifically here in Toronto. Um, you know, ultimately we have a team of 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 employees that don't that didn't necessarily have a ton of, of gaming or iGaming experience walking into market launch. I mean, the great thing was we were able to, you know, piggyback on a, on a really premium product that's been built and tested both in Australia and the U S. But I think, you know, to Rick's point, you know, I think we're all operators, regulators, vendors, we're all flying a plane as we're building it. Right. I mean, I think that we didn't have a surety of when market was actually going to launch and then when it did, there was there was still some open interpretations around some of the rules and regulations that we're all learning to live by. So I think you know the biggest thing is flexibility, uh, being able to react pretty quickly, and 
and just being open-minded to challenges and issues and, and, and really just trying to figure out, you know, our own little, you know, differentiated place for the market. Cause I mean, for those that aren't in Ontario right now, it is really, really noisy. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy seven weeks, man. That's for sure. Yeah, we're going to get into that noise a little bit later, Nick. But yeah, Aubrey, just, just what you've seen so far since the score bet launched. Yeah, look, it's been it's been a wild two months, like the guy said. Um, I mean, very, like, from our perspective, very pleased, like, very excited with how it's rolled out. Uh, for us, operationally, we've been gearing up for this for a while, just given the importance of the market for us and the brand we had coming into the market. Um, so our team had been fired up and like Nick anxiously awaiting for when we finally hear the go live date. And once we did, it was uh, all hands on deck to make sure we were ready. And it came off as seamlessly as I could have asked for, uh, or any of us could have hoped for, at least uh, um, speaking uh, internally, that we operationally, it went smoothly, roll out of book. And for us, for the first time, I casino was a pretty smooth introduction. Um, you know, very happy with how the brand was received, how we were able to reinforce it with some of our brand marketing, uh, some of the partnerships that we started to roll out. So look, we knew Ontario uh, was and is the most competitive marketplace in all of North America for many reasons today, right? It's one of the most commercially friendly. Uh, it's one of the largest. It's got a huge longstanding gaming history to it. Um, a gaming history that now hopefully is all coming into the light, uh, but certainly the demo is very familiar with wagering. So it's a, it's a prize for a lot of operators, um, which is again- Into the spotlight, right? Aubrey, that's, that's what right. you meant, into the spotlight, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so it, uh, yeah, so I, I'm very happy, very pleased with our results so far, very, very pleased with um, how it's gone. And look, it's gonna be a fight for months to come as this market continues to unfold. So um, it'll be, it'll be interesting all the way through into football season into next year. Years to come years yeah. to come, right? It's going to be, this is, we're in like the bottom. We're not even in the bottom of the first inning yet. Right. Hey, so something that, um, that Aubrey just said about iCasino and I know about iPoker too, both of those are very popular in this launch, you know, um, obviously I think a lot of people understand that the funnel doesn't end at sports betting and that I casino is the, is the Holy grail. I mean, is that something that you guys are, are focused on when you're creating your communities and, and, and the components with which you're driving, driving folks? Well, I mean, Aubrey, I'll, I'll, I'll jump first. I mean, ultimately Rick, you're right. I mean, we're not points best, not just a sports book or a sports betting casino. We're a full sweet iGaming platform. And to your point, being able to efficiently convert people into casino is absolutely a priority. Um, but as we all know, Ontario is is a significant is a very mature gaming place, right? Because of the great market that's existed here for years, there's um, a, you know a significant number of casino users already married to specific platforms. So uh, same same with sports betting, but a little bit um, you know because of our brand presence, and I mean our kind of the collective hour from a North American perspective you know, entering the regulated framework, using Sportsbook as a chief kind of top of funnel tool to then drive people into iCasino or iGaming is is absolutely something we think about and work on every day. And to your point, we've been 
really surprised and happy with the type of, um, you know, the type of activity we've seen on, on casino. And I think that as the market evolves, you're going to start seeing operators pay even more close attention to their casino offering and, uh, you know, in relation to their sports book. Yeah. Look, I casino is an integral offering in the market. Um, you're, you're right. I mean, there is clearly a established funnel that a lot of operators leverage throughout the U.S. and in Ontario, and that's get them into sportsbook, convert them over to iCasino. For us, it actually extends even further. It's get them from sports, bring them into sports betting, and take them over to iCasino, right? Just given that we are a sports media brand first and foremost. And I've been really impressed and pleased with what we've seen even early days in Ontario. I mean, I think we put out, you know, uh, something like 80% of our betters uh, or score media users early on. And we're seeing about a 50% cross sell into iCasino from our sports betting users. So clearly the conversion and cross sell interest is there. Um, it's about understanding what games they want, when they want them, right? Uh, a sports betting casino player is very different than, you know, a, a probably a, than a retail casino visitor, right? Um, it's yeah. Heavy games, blackjack, less so slots. So, for us, the strategy is is uh, like it is on our sports media app. It's what are you looking for and when are you looking for it? And let's give you that and not inundate you with things you don't care about. Right. So just like, you know, we attempt to be sophisticated in what betting markets we surface to you and we put forward in front of you based on your sports media preferences. What casino games are you interested in based on your sports betting? Uh, right. Or beyond that, before you've shown us. Casino. Yeah. Um, yeah so, no, but-, but it's a natural flow. Yeah, sort of the white the white space for spotlight, which is perfect for us, is that is the restrictions that withhold um, operators from being able to do certain things out in the media and needing to have their own media presences, you know, like what we build for NBC Sports um, for their edge products um, in fantasy, where we deliver full turnkey solutions for them, you know, and then of course the super feed, which delivers data to all operators in order so they can build their own ecosystems and their own marketing platforms, like you guys are going to have to do. No, and I think that to your point, Rick, I mean, the reality is Ontario, and let's not skirt around this any longer. I mean, I think that the major difference in Ontario than any other region really in the world is operators are not allowed to induce customers, right? So when it comes to advertising, content becomes so, so important. And, you know, the score is in such a great position because they've already built up that content hub for their users to engage with. So the challenge for operators like PointsBet, and there are dozen and over a dozen others, is figuring out how to engage that consumer without being able to induce them. It is a major challenge that most yeah. of us didn't know was coming down the pipe as regulations were being crafted. So I think Spotlight and other content partners and third-party um, you know, solution providers are becoming important um, in, I would say probably more important in this market from a real money gaming conversion perspective than they probably are in every other market. And to Aubrey's point, you know, the score had, um, has um, a great content presence in the sports media realm in this country that operators like ourselves have to figure out ways to, um, you know, figure out ways to break through um, because ultimately that takes time to build. And that's, uh, you know, that's a phenomenal position for them to be in. Uh, yeah, you know, we've been, we've, 
we've been friends for like a decade, so you know I always say this. You want to create a, a, a sports ecosystem where people feel like they belong, and then when they feel like they belong, they want to do things together because they belong in that group. And then one of the things they can do is either play fantasy or sports bet or do things that give them a greater connection to the game and the players and make them feel stronger about the games that they're watching anyway. And well, uh, I think that's the key to this whole thing. Foundationally, I think a thing that gets glossed over or missed just outright in the U.S. is that betting is not an isolated transaction. It's not a financial transaction. It's 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 got financial. It's a financial behavior. And there's economics involved, but the underlying reason why you bet is tied into such a deeper emotional uh, uh, culture and. Um, uh, almost component of your DNA because it's tied to sports and sports are incredibly personal for people. And how you bet is just a component of an overall sports experience you're looking to have. And if all you're focused on is the bet and the transaction around that bet, and then if you look at content purely through that lens, you'll see what's happening throughout the US, which is a lot of content that's crap. A lot of content that serves no purpose except for lead generation, right? That's just there to right. convert you to betting. But if you look at the content that performs, it's the content that stands on its own. That's good content that has authentically integrated betting into the conversation of that content, right? And then yeah, but, you see that word. But I, but I think that looking at the sports fan or looking at the gambler in a macro lens, in, in that in that sense, I, I think it is problematic. I, I, I think that not every sports gambler is the same. I think that while content is is ultimately important, I think when it comes to the quality of sports better, which candidly our strategy is about quality over quantity, because we know we can't compete um, against, we can't outspend and we can't compete with the types of content that currently exists in the space. So when we really dove deep into who that quality better was, we found that while sports are emotional, um, Sports betting, unlike fantasy sports, fantasy sports being the biggest social game that's ever been invented, uh, season-long fantasy sports, sports betting, is inherently, yeah, sports betting is inherently antisocial. And the types of users that I think, that we think are extraordinarily valuable are those that focus on product more than they focus on the content or what brought them there, right? It's about ultimately because of all the competition – Product is going to ultimately win this space. So yes, so, while content and other tools are great to bring them in, gotta be you gotta be anchored in a really solid product to be able to keep them, right? So I'm gonna foundationally agree with you on one thing and foundationally 100% disagree with you on another nice. thing. I like it. Product is cool. I'll break the tie. I'll break the tie. I'm not. There's no dis, There's no disagreement that product is gonna win and it's not content standalone. And don't get me wrong, content is one inbound entry point. People play fantasy, they go to games, they socialize at bars. Sports consumption is a very robust wheel of engagement of which content is a component. It's not the only component. So don't, don't get me wrong by saying content is your only way in. It is absolutely not, right? In this ecosystem, product will win without question because um, you the foundational job we have to do is to make your life easier, simpler, better as a better, right? Which means understanding what you want, how you want it, when you want it. So yes, product is paramount and look, it's, it's what dr drives our entire foundational strategies. Why me as the marketer, we, we don't do a lot of marketing, especially south of the border. It's largely the integration between betting and media combined. And it, again, you know, our app is partial content, but it's also data, it's scores, right? 
where I think, so now I'll come back to you, Nick, sports betting is inherently social. It is not an antisocial behavior. I don't agree with that statement at all. You might bet by yourself Sunday afternoon on the couch and not in a sports bar. That doesn't mean it's antisocial, right? That doesn't mean that you what you're betting on isn't being communicated in a WhatsApp group or that there's some tie to that game that has a social connection to you because what you're betting on is tied to a team you follow that has a connection to how you grew up in your house. You're a fan of the Oilers, right? Betting is betting is tied to the consumption of sports, which is tied, again, I, I foundationally believe this, to who you are as a sports fan, right? People who are totally disconnected to the passion of, uh, of, of how they're consuming the game and they're purely looking at it as transactional. And there is a segment of betters who are like this, right? And they're quants and, and they have their spreadsheets the vast majority of betters aren't like that. The vast majority of betters bet because it supports this fandom. It supports this fan. And foundationally, that's why they're happy to do it, even though betting in aggregate, just like casino, favors the house, doesn't favor the player, right? If it was purely a financial transaction, then nobody would do it. It's not just a financial transaction. It's an entertainment transaction for users. But I will come back to where we align. Product will 100% win the day. And that's why in Ontario, it's going to be paramount that you have a... a top grade product. It's going to be paramount that you have a differentiated uh, offering, right? What are you standing for that the competition isn't? And lastly, that you're going to have to stand for something. You, you, you have to build a brand. It's not like in the US where I can just one up your sign up offer and I'll steal your audience, right? You can't, that, that doesn't fly in Ontario. So you're going to have to stand for something, right? I give you guys, hat tip to you guys, Nick, on some of the stuff, some of the moves you've made to really try to ingrain into the Canadian community and, uh, uh, take a very specific angle to build the brand in Canada and starting from scratch. That's hard, man. That's, that's a tough, like, you know, it's, there's a lot of hard work to do that. It's possible, but it's a lot of hard work. And so, you know, big hat tip to you guys for some of the moves you've made to that end. I feel very fortunate with the brand that we had, but by no means did that give us, that doesn't give us the W. Like if we don't show up, and earn our customers' loyalty with a, an amazing best-in-class product, a differentiated product with our integrated ecosystem of media embedding, marketing that supports the brand positively and reinforces the love and loyalty we have. Audience isn't going to care at all about the love that they had for us before as a score of the media app. So a lot of operators aren't comfortable having to build brand and they're not comfortable having to figure out differentiated approaches. They're just used to spending for share. Um, and I think Ontario is going to level set that. Rick? All right. So on the, on the social versus antisocial, um, you have to break down what kind of bettors they are, right? So some people bet for different reasons. Everyone bets. Some people bet because they like their team and they want to make the games more fun to watch. Some people bet because they want camaraderie with their buddies. Some, some people bet because they want to feel smart. And so, and if you think of the kind of bettors that come from different areas, you're either a casual fan, a team fan, a fantasy fan, you know, or a gambler already, right? So, or a historian or a collector, but those people are not in the target market to become gamblers. So it's how that funnel brings you from those sections into it. And then on the product side, Naughton, Peter Naughton, the founder of Sun Microsystems back in 95, said it perfectly when the internet started. He said, every web war is going to be won by content, personalization, and interactivity. It's still exactly that today. And so if you're developing your product to have those so that it has content that's real time, that follows the games properly, and then it has personalization that allows you to have settings for your teams or for your betting style, and then has interactivity, the ability for you to communicate or 
now with peer-to-peer buy and sell your bet slips or you know do things that, that have that interactivity component to it, real-time chat or live betting, all of those things make up a fantastic product. And you know that's what we're trying to deliver for NBC and others. And uh, and you know uh, I I believe that it's the same as it was in '95 when the internet started. Yeah, no, no, I, I I mean the live betting piece obviously is going to be massive. But again, just to just to potentially put a bow on that antisocial piece. Ultimately, I agree with you 100% that sports fuels social behavior, even in relation to gaming and gambling. But the question is, that community is driven a lot more because of the sport, less so because of the gambling, in in our opinion, right? Because ultimately, when you're gambling, you're not competing against your friends, right? You're competing against the house. You're competing against the operator. If you want to compete against your friends, well, people know where to go to do that, right? It's called fantasy sports, right? Or you bet with your friends. That's when gambling becomes social. But when it comes to product, I mean, we've all been around the space for so long. The idea of integrating social conversation and sports betting, and that's when I met about social. It, it doesn't. It doesn't work, or it hasn't worked yet. Sorry, let me reframe that. It hasn't. Well, I, 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 again, we don't spend all time on this, but um, I don't think anybody's cracked the nut on how to do it well yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's all been very surface level type of efforts. It's all again, look, it's referral programs, right? Yeah. Uh, like it, it's there's there's not well, a Discord, lot. Of- it's Discord channels. That's where sports getting begets social. It's those types of communities where really well, it's people talking about finding edges. It's not, so, but it, but yeah. it's but not just edges though. Like like if you look, and again, not to, to or not to overly tout our own kind of social features, but if you look at the public chats that we have on every single box score of every single game the vast majority of conversation going on there is gambling related, right? And it's not just, yes, there are some people trying to shill picks and other people looking for an edge, but it's a lot of the kind of banter you expect amongst people, in this case, anonymous people or people who don't know each other, right? Opinions and Steve, I know we're trying to keep it PG, but shit talking and like a lot of uh, all the common behaviors that are imbued into sports. So I guess I just take a broad view of community of, of how community and gaming intersect right and that to me social isn't always just i'm sitting at a bar with my friends betting it's the underlying intent that goes into that desire to place the bet which to me i think always ties back to a community and a culture that associates with a, a sports preference which is inherently social but again we all have to uh, or everybody wants to feel smart so if they you know, if they have a bet that wins, they want to show it off, and you know, why? that creates the social aspect to it. Correct, b- because right. everybody wants to feel smart. That's right. You know, or a lot of people want to feel smart. It depends on why you bet. Like a lot of people want to say, "Hey, I knew the Giants were going to win today," so because I'm a Giant fan, or you know, I knew I knew because I did quantum physics on uh, quantum calculus on figuring out exactly how many strikeouts Kyle Gibson was going to have tonight. Um, you know, you want to feel that makes you feel smart amongst your group. You know, Nick and I will text on a, on, a, on, a, on a Saturday or a Sunday, you know, about something. And, and I'm always trying to be smart in what I'm responding to. And I'm looking stuff up and we're analyzing stuff because that's part of the social part of it is, is can I help my friends be smarter by finding something they didn't? And then, oh, cool, I found something they didn't. Um, so, and, you know, more of the camaraderie comes in, in my world from, from learning, from the process of continuing to learn and learn and learn and learn and then enjoying the games more because I know more, because I studied more before the game started. Like, I love to know the spin rate of, of, of pitchers compared to others, other pitchers. And then when I see 
balls move in a baseball game, then I feel like, oh, hey, I knew that was going to happen, right? And that makes me that makes me enjoy sport more. But that's just me. There's like ten different types of sports fans, and the reason they watch sports, and the reason eventually they're going to become betters, and the importance of understanding each of those, and then creating ecosystems for each one of those within a solutions company like ours. That's what then can deliver you the kinds of customers who are going to bet every single night because you've supported them. Hey, Ryan, is Spotlight a solutions company? Sorry. <laughs> whatever, problem, whatever problem you have, we're the answer. Yeah. Hey, Rick, that's a great segue into my next question about the, the kind of betting activity we've, we've seen so far. And again, you know, writing the newsletter and, and writing columns for the Star over the past, Toronto Star over the past year. And talking to these different stakeholders about the use of data and in-game betting and live betting, um, maybe start with you here, Nick. Like this, what, what? I know you probably can't get too deep into the metrics, but what can you tell us about the kind of activity we're seeing so far? Uh, I mean, a lot of it is is fairly predictable. I think. I mean, uh, I think the Ontario sports fan likes to gamble. Um, they, they definitely like to gamble on Ontario teams. Uh, you know, we absolutely saw an uptick, you know, in Leafs and and and, and Jays and, and Raptors. But ultimately, what we're seeing is basketball is 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 exceptionally popular. You know, baseball's gaining momentum now. You know, we're seeing sports like tennis really picking up. Um, but ultimately, it's that live in play, right? Uh, I think that maybe it's because our product is really has really put a highlight. On, on being the best live in-play betting platform there is. Um, but what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of Blue Jays parlays, which are really interesting in player props. You know, I, I, I you know, personally, I, I always enjoy, you know, watching, watching a baseball game and trying to figure out who's going to hit home run. But that's primarily because I'm a seasoned fantasy player. And as any fantasy player knows, all you want to do is, from a hitting perspective, is, you know, track home runs, track strikeouts. And that's what's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. But but it's, it's transitioning into what we're seeing the baseball better in Ontario really like. They love betting on, on pitcher strikeout props. They love betting on players who are going to hit home runs. Um, but I think that the, the general market breakdown from a sporting perspective, I, I think it's uh, holding true. I mean, I'd be curious to know if, if Aubrey's seen anything differently. But, I, I, I mean, it's kind of holding to what, the, what we thought walking in. Yeah, there's a ton of hometown love. I think we've seen like 80 plus 80% plus of our sportsbook users betting on Ontario teams over 50% of bet on the Jays. Like, I think we're, it's, it's um, a lot of hometown teams. I think it also helps that all the hometown teams for at least the, the Toronto market are competitive and good. Right. So they're fun teams to bet on, notwithstanding the fates suffered by the Raptors and uh, our Leafs and uh, sad first round exit. But um it uh, so yeah, it, I think there's a lot of, of of hometown betting action going on. Rick, I know you did a little bit of research for this webinar. You we were talking uh, yeah. about some of the research you've done. Maybe you can dig into that a little bit for us. Well, it was just the, the type of bets that I thought was kind of interesting. That most of the bets were money line bets, like 26% were money line bets, and that the parlay bets were only four four point seven five percent, which seemed to be. Seems to be lower, you know. In my world, I, I'm I'm not betting without a parlay. But I think right. Rick, but I but I think that in your world also, it was pretty it's, early on, and it's well, and we launched, and and let's. I think I, I think a lot of the parlay betting got really popular during football, right? And we launched without um without the big kind of the big massive parlay sport. I will say, you know, 
I think I think Ontario being a mature gambling market, um, I think a lot of the folks that didn't dabble in the gray market, they were used to the parlay, right? They were used to ProLine. So there may have actually been kind of a reverse a, a, a reverse um, to the parlay because people are like, oh, now I can just bet on one game, right? Which is which yeah. which which is possible psychologically. But um, you know, I think as 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 the market continues to build, I think we're going to start seeing the numbers of parlays grow and grow, especially as football season, both Canadian football and NFL season uh, kicks off. You know, um, one thing that's shocking and, and a little annoying, and I think it'll probably be annoying for you guys too, is that is the um, amount of betting on NBA was more than it than it was on NHL, at least in the survey. Um, and I even see like on U.S. scoreboards, um, you know, like for instance, if you go to the CBS Sports scoreboard in the United States, I don't know what you see, which you targeted in Canada, but you'll see the NBA game for tonight, and then you'll see all the baseball games, and then you'll see the NHL game, the St. Louis Colorado game for tonight. And I'm like, that's a playoff game. Shouldn't that be at the top? No, and it is. And- it's it's always at the top up here. And and I think I don't want to belabor this fact, but Aubrey, I'm curious if you agree, considering you're uh, you're you're a fellow Canadian. You know, hockey is hard to gamble on. Hockey is not as easy to gamble on as basketball, right? There's less stats. There's mm-hmm. limited in play right now. Um, so, fr- and there's and there's less scores. There's less basketball. Uh, there's, yeah. there's not that many goals. So, I think it's it's hard to do. You know, a, 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 a you know one point five goal spread in hockey. I mean, that's that's not an easy bet to. That's that's a less. That that's a that's a harder bet than you know if if the Warriors are favored by four and a half over the Mavs, right? Like it's just right. There's a lot there's a lot less variance in hockey than in other sports because there's just less data points, less stats, less goals. Yeah, they're, they're true. There's there there we did launch at a time though from a, a a hockey narrative perspective where there was a lot of excitement, right? So like we we concerted efforts to spin up special markets that leaned into the narratives of the Leafs and Austin Matthews hitting his goal record. Like there was a lot going on that gave us kind of narrative momentum to spin up markets around and, uh, you know, push those out and, and drive. So we saw really good Leafs action, good NHL action. Um, it will be interesting. Uh, and to Nick, to your point, I mean, we launched at the tail end of the NBA and NHL season. Um, uh, what this market's going to do come football season is going to be very interesting. No, no. And that's the point. The fight, the fight, fight hasn't begun yet. We're, we're in yep. season now. The fight, the fight is starting. The fight's coming this fall. That's going to be really compelling and interesting because right now uh, everyone's just kind of feeling each other out. You know, there's a couple more database data points from the survey. And it was, by the way, it was on ontariobets.com done with the gambling.com group. Um, so, but it said fifty about fifty percent don't place more than one bet per sporting event. So they're only betting on one thing, and that forty percent of the betters were female, which I think this is a that's a pretty big number comparatively to the United States, which is much lower. Um, and then only thirty percent were between thirty and forty-four. So it was either very young people or very old people or older than forty-four uh, betting. And then ninety-nine percent said that. They were sports betting, uh, you know, for fun, not not in order to try and make any kind of income. It wasn't about the money. It was about doing something, um, you know, uh, surrounding sports and, and having a little a- extraction. Yeah, hey, Aubrey and Nick, like, do you think, is the industry doing a good enough job targeting women and, and tapping in, into that base of, of 
and, and again, we've, we've been seeing this, Rick, south the border as well with, with surveys and some reporting that's been done that, that there's a, a significant percentage of women sports fans out there that want, who want to bet. And do we think, guys, that the industry is doing a good enough job targeting women? I mean, Aubrey, I'll maybe start with you. I think the industry is so focused on still the early days of capturing the high intense sports better, which is, you know, that 18 to 40 year old male demo that there's a lot of marketing creativity still to be done to broaden out demo, both female, also casual betters, social betters. There's a lot of demos that are that are not necessarily in that core purview. When you think of like the high intent, already sophisticated, already knowledgeable, not sophisticated, already knowledgeable or already active sports better, um, which is largely where I think the war is being waged, even south of the border three years in still. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of creative expansion in marketing uh, to try to bring in um, other demographics. So I think across the board, there's still a lot of opportunity there. Well, and I and I think that there's a big difference between marketing to marketing for and to women and targeting women. I will say straight up, um, you know, I'll use uh, I'll use just you know anecdotally, I like to look at my wife's social media because I'm very curious in the age of data and analytics how somebody like my wife would be targeted versus me. And I will say that she is getting targeted with a ton of sports gambling ads. And ultimately, I think there's a big question to be made whether you want to target women or target men or target sports fans, right? Ultimately, women love sports as much as men love sports. So the reality is if you're going to create an ad that is, a, you know, that appears to be targeting a woman, is that pandering? Is that is that actually a good idea? I mean, these are all things that we talk about and think about because ultimately we're all sports fans, or I should say the people that we want to engage are sports fans and um, women are being targeted. The question and the interesting point piece in that survey was really interesting, Rick, that 40% of, of sports bettors is, that does seem a little bit high. I mean, we do know that when you bring iGaming into the mix, the, the gender split does get closer to that 40%. But ultimately if 40% of the Ontario sports uh, better are, are women, I mean, that, I think that's really it's exciting for the industry because that just means there's there's a lot of opportunity. And then it gives new leagues, new brands, new associations um, an opportunity to look at Ontario, maybe to create a foundation. Like some of us, you know, some of us saw news that 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 Jaina Hefford and, and Billie Jean King and, you know, the, the pro women's hockey league is getting is getting maybe maybe this betting news is going to help support and foster an entirely new generation of female sports engagement like that that could be great right so yeah um, yeah that's that was a interesting survey for sure yeah just to remind everybody's watching on youtube again we're getting a few questions and we're, we're definitely going to have we're going to save time for q a at the end so please if you have a question let us uh know that the, the targeting and marketing guys that's, that's let's move into into the advertising and marketing quickly because it's, it's been a bit of a, a lightning rod here uh, the last I would say three weeks and and uh, you know concerns about there being too much advertising from sports books uh, you know concerns about some of the editorial content that's being integrated in the broadcast I would say that I think the score and points bet have taken unique approaches. Uh, Nick, you guys with, with the trailer park boys campaign, 
um, Aubrey, you guys with with the Susie Essman, uh, uh, Rex Lee, and, and Jerry D commercials. And uh, I got to be honest, just you know, anecdotally, it doesn't seem like you guys are flooding the zone with ads as it relates to television. But Rick, I want to start with you just because you you'll take a high high level look at this and and your experiences with what you've seen in the U.S. as well, just with the launch of a new new market. Yes. The kind of advertising we're seeing. Yeah, well, you know, and being that I don't live in Canada, I'm not seeing the Canadian marketing necessarily. But here, you know, the carpet prom approach was definitely taken. Um, and here in New York, you know, I live just outside of New York City. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, on, on any given show, on any given channel, I will see four to five different operators. You know, DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, Bet Rivers has spent a lot of money in New York. I see a lot of Bet Rivers ads uh, here running on television. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't go anywhere without knowing those names now, right? If you're, if you're a sports fan, you at least know the names. Um, and the thing that's wildly different is the offers and that especially the offers online geo targeted here in New York. Uh, the ability, I think it's great to have to, for me to be able to see that there's an offer on one of the sites that's going to give me a better opportunity for my single game parlay tonight. Um, and for me to, for me to have either a risk free parlay or, or be able to make sure that, you know, I get better boosted odds. So I, I, I like the offer, offer as a game, as someone who likes the game systems, right? Um, but the offers can be overwhelming for other people who are looking for content and information about the games. If I go in and I search for New York Yankees, I might be inundated with a number of Google News components that are promo ads instead of content. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that Spotlight does particularly well, especially with their advanced local properties here with Syracuse. Um, and uh and michigan live but syracuse in new york is make sure that you know we have high quality content so that if people do bump bump into that they're not being bombarded with just the offers and then the offers are then integrated within the uh the the content itself yeah yeah you look you're seeing some of the playbook from south of the border attempting to get replicated north of the border just without inducements in fact you're seeing some guys actually try to push that inducement push it right <laughs> uh, yeah like there's good faith trying to figure out what the line is then there's some other stuff going on that uh, question if it's uh they, they're even concerned with what the line is about what an inducement is and making some deliberate choices but i think to your point steve uh yeah it's it's um there is some not particularly great creative and some not particularly sophisticated marketing going on. And I think from our perspective is we've even made decisions to say like we were, we've been running TV commercials, been running digital ads. Um, there's been instances where we said we've chosen to not run in certain programming because it was so noisy and that notwithstanding how good we think our creative is and our brand message, we just didn't think it was good marketing to be up alongside three other sports books in a single program um, who are hammering users and, you know, over the head with, with marketing. So um, uh, I think every, every operator is going to take their own path. You know, some programming is being more sophisticated and nuanced with how they are flighting and how much volume of, of advertising they're putting in. I, I think um, not surprised that consumers are starting to get, I mean, I'm, uh, 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 yeah, not surprising. Consumers are starting to get a little irritated with the type of content and the type of and the volume of marketing. Um, 
so we I mean, look we're going to choose we're, we're for us we will always look to be strategic and 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 um hopefully sophisticated with how we try to get our message to market um and above the line is one way to do it television is one way to do it right another way to do it is through our partnership with the blue jays where we can do some cool things our partnership with golf canada or through our own channels right there's a lot more nuance and sophistication you can bring to getting your message to an audience that will ultimately build brand equity with them. You can hammer them over the head and you'll get some recall. But in the long term, uh, our view and what we've seen in the US is that's fleeting. Eventually it goes to the next guy who hammers the consumer over the head, right? Whether with an inducement or just with a message, it's not going to build you long term customer loyalty. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we, we were choosing our spots. Uh, we will play above the line. We'll play on television. We'll play on uh, on other above the line channels. But um, I think it's for us, it's a different playbook than it is for some of the other operators that kind of brute force their their uh, marketing strategy. Totally, and and I mean, we obviously we have a different playbook too. I mean, mainly built out of the necessity because we can't outspend. We can't yeah. outspend other operators, right? We have to. We have to outthink or try to outthink them. We have to be a little bit more strategic. And let's face it, if any operator seven weeks into the market thinks they have figured it out or think they understand the market, they're, they will be one of the first out of the market, right? We don't know what we don't know yet, right? We're learning. Every day we're learning more things. We have to be flexible, nimble, and iterate. And to Aubrey's point, it's not just about top of line. It's not just about TV. While... Yes, you see all of the same commercials up here over and over and over again. The question, the question is, are they actually connecting and resonating with the Canadian sports fan, right? What it, and, and ultimately, what are their goals? Is their goal just mass market awareness, which won't cultivate or convert into quality sports bettors who are ultimately going to stay with you? Like to Aubrey's point, like the goal isn't just to acquire customers, it's to keep the customers, just to retain the customers. Loyalty is incredibly important in this space. I would argue probably the most important thing in Ontario is trying to build some loyalty. And, you know, our strategy has been, you know, based around trying to figure out a differentiated, you know, line of attack, um, a different, a differentiated brand position, a reason for being, and candidly, an just a hope that a user is going to see a Trailer Park Boy ad or see you know, a Maple Leafs or an NHL alumni post on Twitter or a Curling Canada, you know, uh, experience and say, oh, I'll give points better try because we're confident and excited around the product piece. But ultimately getting that person to touch your product for the first time, that's that's a challenge. And then you got to figure out how to keep them there. And that's ultimately who's going to that that's going to be the deciding factor on who wins the market or or. I should say, who is in one of the winners of the market? Because there's going to be a, a lot of winners in Ontario. The product keeps them. Uh, it just it never made sense to me to spend so excessively without standing for something, right? And in the U.S., it's you're you're able to be particularly cheap with your marketing, not from a cost perspective, from a message perspective, because it's inducement, 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 right? But we've seen this game that only lasts so long until the next guy has the bigger inducement, right? In Canada and Ontario, you can't do that. And most are not doing that. Um, and so the game needs to be, okay, I'm watching three or four sportsbook commercials. What is the difference? What am I seeing with that versus that versus that? It can't just be about win money, win money, win money. A, I think that going back to earlier point, that misses the mark as to what drives the intent in the first place. But why, 
right? Why in a market that's going to be hugely competitive to years for years to come, you have to scratch the itch and provide value uh, and show that value, right? So uh, I, I think um, hopefully for consumers, it gets more and more sophisticated. People actually start to carve out a, a try to find a brand lane, right? Um, but if they don't, I think proves to the benefit of the operators that are spending the time to actually care about what their consumer is interested in hearing from them and putting forward a message that actually builds brand equity with the consumer, not just shouts in their face. Yeah. Hey, Rick. Have you so, yeah, Rick. I was just gonna, oh, go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I was just going to add on top of that, basically, is like, I mean, we know that the reason that people do or feel like they belong in any ecosystem, any sports ecosystem is, you know, they where they want to be is because it saves them time. It makes them or saves them money or it makes them happier, entertains them. So, you know, those are the reasons that people go pretty much anywhere that they go on the Internet. So if you create products and services that surround that and then the entertainment is the sports betting coupled with watching the games, you know, then you're able to create the kind of long term success that we haven't seen in the United States. What we see a lot is a land grab from, you know, people just want to go and they want to squeeze all the juice out of the lemon right now instead of grabbing two gallons of water, squeezing the lemons into the water and making a ton of lemonade that lasts forever. So, um, you know, that's our approach is very much more, you know, long-term relationships with folks in order to create ecosystems so that we can then drive relationships and places people belong so that they can become sports betters long-term and not just one time on a Sunday. Yeah. Hey, Rick, just quickly off that, what, any examples of uh, content you've seen integrated in the broadcasts in, in the U.S. that, that you like? And um, again, I'll point to I, I think some of the uh, some of the Man Manning's stuff on Caesars was effective, especially the, the responsible gambling ad with with Peyton Manning. But you know, I think we've there again. It's been a bit of a hot button topic. Uh, Sportsnet trying to integrate betting content into their Stanley Cup playoff coverage so far. I just wonder, are you seeing any south of the board that, that you like? Yeah, and I think this football season we'll see a lot more of it um, and, and better produced because people did really didn't get it. They, they, they always go big. The media companies always go big with, with NFL. So you'll see the broadcast partners of the NFL, I think, go a lot bigger with it this year. And I think you'll see their websites and their digital departments go a lot further with it. Um, I, I'm hearing rumors of things the NFL is going to do that's going to be groundbreaking and help all operators. And then some things that the NBA is, is planning for next season. Um, these components that allow the digital to make that 360 that always works for media companies. Pay it off with the broadcast with something that works on digital. Um, that, that, I think, is what's going to, uh, to really resonate with sports fans as they're always holding their phone while they're watching the TV. So then they can interact real time with the broadcasters and what they're saying. Well, I think that's, I mean, to, to, you know, to where Rick's going, I mean, for... Man, for for 15, 20 years at least, I've you know all I've been thinking about and talking about and working with Rick on is the idea of a second screen, uh, you know, second screen companion experience for live sports. Right? Gambling is that um, second screen companion experience that we've all been talking about because of the instant gratification that live betting gives you. But in order to deliver that properly to the consumer. You need to have buy-in from that media company to fully integrate odds, to get talent actually talking about it in an authentic way. Because I think when it comes down to the engagement and the integrations and how media and gambling are going to play together, 
I think it comes down to authenticity and, and being genuine. Like, do you actually believe that this person is gambling right now? Do you actually listen to them? Is he heightening my experience or is this just another form of an ad? And I think that's going to be where you start seeing media companies fully embracing sports betting is when you bring that together properly. And to Rick's point, people are starting to figure it out. NBC and PointsBet doing their BetCast stuff, doing the stuff with Golf Network, doing this stuff. Like it's, we're learning. Everyone's learning in the space on how to do it properly, right? Right. The, the, the fantasy superstar, right? The, the face of fantasy, Matthew Berry, right? He's, he's thrown to all the time on broadcast and he has his own... Tele fantasy television shows and stuff like that but he was able to build his presence over the course of years because fantasy was legal and so he built a social presence around that that doesn't exist yet for sports betting because the sports betting people are newer now because it wasn't legal before and the old-time sports bettors that have been doing it for so long sort of aged out your brandon langs your jim feists you know all well, those it's also the national versus local right yeah tr true true enough but yeah, I also, I also case, think when we get a broadcaster who's going to start talking about his bets and they're going to kick to the betting guy who's going to do analysis to tell you that the trends of Aaron Rodgers throwing a touchdown at the end of the third quarter means that the Packers are 39 and one, you know, that kind of information delivered from a authentic guy who's actually betting or woman, that's that's going to make it all work. I think I mean, guys, it wasn't so long. It was only a few years ago that these broadcasters wouldn't touch the word betting. Right. It was it was toxic to even mention betting in the broadcast. And again, not to the NFL on the back, but like we've been covering betting from a content perspective for decades. Right. We've, we've had I mean, it integrated. We've had lots. So like it comes it is very, I think, easily identifiable to the end consumer. If you are the authenticity is the most BS word in the, it, it, thrown around in, in the sports industry ever. And I. But it's accurate. Engagement's thrown around a lot too. It, it's just buzzy, buzzy. <laughs> but it's accurate because you sniff out whether it's BS or whether it's true. And every yeah. look, incumbent, every sports book wants top of funnel. They want content to drive to book. So in every one of these media deals, it came with content. So what you ended up getting was a lot of lowest common denominator sports book content, right? It's you put the risk and training guy in the casino floor, or you stand up a desk show and you talk odds and line. But it's forced and it's artificial. And it's not resonating particularly well. And we're starting to get to a point where a lot of consumers are like, that's. Well, I mean, the reality is sports betting is not nationally legal in either the U.S. or Canada. So for one of the major broadcasters to actually integrate betting is not really going to happen because a majority of their audience or a good portion of their audience cannot bet. That's a shitty user experience. And there, Aubrey broke the ice. So there, I doubled you down. With the word. So, I mean, the reality is, and, and, Aubrey, the all, only one. And, and Aubrey, with all due respect, nobody is reading a piece of score content while they're watching sports betting. Your content is solid and your betting content is great. The reality is until the broadcast live sports experience is integrated properly. That's when we're going to see so, the real power of sports. I'm going to, I'm going to yet again, come at you and totally disagree, Nick. Nice. Apps are no longer, apps are not a second screen experience. Full, I'm not talking about betting. I'm talking about media. Apps are a first screen experience. Full stop. People are no longer sitting down like they used to and sitting through an entire baseball game, an entire basketball game, an entire football game. Right. Friends of mine in their 20s into their 30s, they don't watch the local broadcast of their NFL game. They're watching Red Zone and they're betting. Zone, baby. Fine. Yeah. So the reality is this legacy perspective of you need the big broadcast and they pay a lot of money for it. Then needs to get syndicated out across all of their other apps. 
It's an, it, it's honestly, I'm not sure. It's no, no, well, I'm not talking legacy. Also, I'm talking about proper integration of media. And, I also don't think the broadcast is the end all be all. It is a great and valuable component, but we see time and app, and we don't have live rights. We see times and time and app on the score longer than some of our competitors, most of our competitors that have broadcast rights in their app, right? So it's not just about the broadcast and everybody gets hung up on the broadcast. It's about understanding what is that better looking for? And a lot of times betters are following five games at once. They're not watching all five games. They might be following all five games. So you need to give them the information that they need on the game they want, when they want it, right? Which we can do in an app ecosystem. <laughs> Much like so. Anyway, I'm just well, saying. I totally, I that, totally agree. I was commenting on Wolf's point about and the question around media integration, right? But integration is not it, it, that it goes beyond just needing to get odds and, and lines into a national broadcast. Like case in point for us, we started on a box score. We put live odds updating on a box score in real time. You can build your bet slip from there while following the game, updating in real time. It's not just about reading the preview article, Nick. Yes, you're going to read the preview article, but in game for live. You're watching the ball move down the field. You're watching the scoring plays happen, and you're seeing the live odds updating. You can build your bet slip. That's in-game. That's engagement. That's integration. It's not just about make sure you get the, the color commentator to talk about what that play did to the odds movement, right? That's let's, one let's, use case. Let's break this down for a second, though, okay? So if, if you break it down, casual fan, team fan, fantasy fan, gambler, you're clearly talking about the gambler, who right now is 11% of America. I don't know what it is uh, above, but 17% play fantasy. And 68% say they have a, a team, and 86% of all Americans say they like they like they like to touch, see the scores, or they like, you know. Um, so it depends on who you're going after. Yes, of course. Um, if you're going after only the only the 11% that are betting the most, and and they're probably your core, if you will, and they're really really critical to you, they have the most time on the app, and they're do they're they're most engaged, and they're the ones who are doing the most sports betting activities. But it's, it's the ability for operators like you guys to attach yourselves to the casual fan, the team fan, and the fantasy fan that's going to allow you to explode numbers there. And then maybe they won't be on your, uh, you know, engaged in your app. But those are the people who watch. They those also are the might ones not who watch. But I also would query whether they're watching full games or now those guys are getting their information for their content from social or they're getting it from other places like Twitter, right? Like, I'm not sure it is all about the full broadcast and integrating into the full broadcast as the kind of ultimate mecca of how betting and media come together. I'm, I'm not, I, it has to get a hell of a lot better. Don't oh, get me it wrong. Has to be, it has to be the full 360 that I talked about. Yeah, 100%. And the leagues, will, the leagues will probably drive that experience um, from their digital presences more than any, any one particular site because every fan of the NFL will eventually hit NFL.com, even if they're an ESPN goer, a CBS goer, or the score goer. Hey, guys. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Hey, guys, I just want to get – we got a couple of questions, and we're almost at the top of the hour. So maybe Aubrey and uh, Nick, just real quickly, Hector's asking what defines a top sportsbook product and what are the must-haves and why. But look, look, maybe just from you two guys, Nick, I'll start with you. What defines a top sportsbook product? I mean, I think that what we're seeing is, uh, you know, fast deposits, fast withdrawals, early cash out are you know when it comes to the payments those are those are real major priorities and then the speed of live markets and uh you know the and the at the and the availability of 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 parlay live you know live in-game parlay 
the different types of features and products. But I think it begins with deposits, withdrawals, and early cash out. Those seem to be um, those seem to be some pretty big priorities from what we're seeing. Yeah, I agree with Nick. Uh, you, you need fast, reliable payments in, payments out, without question. Onboarding has been a huge issue for a lot of sports books. Um, so you need to make sure people can even first touch your product uh, well. But once they're in, yes, payments, uh, robust market availability, live markets. And then uh, ultimately, what those things are trying to accomplish is reduce friction, make it as simple and easy as possible to identify what you want to bet and how you want to bet and when you want to bet it. So for us, that's why from a product perspective, we spend so much of our time bringing all of this betting uh, information, availability and functionality, not actually placing the bet, but live markets, updating real time tracking bets into the media experience to remove the friction from following the game to placing the bet. Because at the end of the day, live betting, that's foundational what's happening. Something happened, you had, it triggers an, a desire to place a bet. If you have to go and go through a four-minute authentication and bet selection and bet placement process, you're missing your window. So it's about simplicity, ease, and trust. And if you can accomplish those three things across your book at large, you're winning. And guys, last question. We're going to go a bit over here, but it's an important one. And Andrew's asking guys about the role of sponsorships. I know both the score and uh, and points bet Canada have gotten into some really interesting partnerships. The score with the Blue Jays. Uh, Canland Sports, uh, Golf Can. I'm really anxious to see what you guys do. Aubrey with the two Canadian Opens this summer. Nick, of course, you guys with MLSC, the NHL Alumni Association, Curling Canada, Alpine Canada. So let, let's go around the horn and maybe we'll start. Rick, just start with you on just what you've seen with, through Spotlight on the importance of sponsorships and, and what their role is. Yeah, well, what the what sponsorships do the best is they uh, they end up unearthing the kind of communities that are available. So, you know, when we produce a, a March Madness Sports Hub, you know, when that's sponsored, that allows us to to put a lot more um, a lot more resources against it in order to make sure that it explodes, and also to be able to to, to get people to go to pixwise.com and 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 be involved in that. So, sponsorship, um, you know, on our side allows us to expend the resources in order to make small things bigger. Aubrey? Yeah, look, we don't do a lot of sponsorships. Um, we did none south of the border. Uh, um, when we do them, uh, they, uh, we think there's a ton of potential, but they have to be the right ones, right? And for us, that means a couple of things. That means, you know, like, for example, take the Jays, right? Jays, they're Canada's baseball team. They reach a huge, passionate audience. You get seven months of activity, 81 home games, right? And and for us, it's an exclusive deal. So what that means is over the next 10 years, us and the Blue Jays, we have full mind share. We can lean in together and we can do amazing things together. Yes, we're still going to put our brand on the back wall so that every Vladdy Dinger, uh, our brand is going to get out there for all Canadians to see. Um but it, it's about taking that and going going deeper, right? Creating an amazing sports bar experience like we are with the Jays. How do we bring that activation to life? So for us, uh, and it's, we understand we're a bit unique like this, but exclusivity in a lot of these cases is very important. We want full mind share to be able to lean in and do do bring these partnerships to life in unique and again, buzzword, BS word, authentic ways that are true to who we are, which we only really can get if you are deeply ingrained and have full mind share. To your point, Steve, we have some really cool stuff coming up uh with golf canada they've been an amazing partner just like the jays to think about how do we bring it to life creatively and differently um which lets us do things which actually which takes that brand partnership and elevates it um uh into a total multifaceted omni-channel um activation 
uh, that that becomes a, a core part of our marketing mix. Nick, I know because you get the last word anyway, you find somehow to do it, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and be real quick here. I mean, we don't think of it as sponsorships, right? It's partnerships, right? We, we, we didn't have the luxury of launching in this market with a database. We didn't have the luxury of launching in this market with a brand that a lot of Canadians knew. So what we decided is if we, and, and candidly, I don't think any of us actually understood who the Canadian sports gambler in from a regulated fashion would be ultimately when the market, uh, you know, achieved maturity. So what we decided is partnering with some of these great sports organizations, um, it allowed us to attach our brand to build some trust and integrity and some excitement around the brands that Canadian sports fans like, love. Um, it gave us the ability to start, you know, connecting and learning about who those fans were. So as we grow our brand and our business, we're doing it the right way. Again, like we're seven weeks in. We're only we're only at the scratching the surface to really understand um, who our who our target audience is and, and and who we want to engage. And so ultimately, when we when we thought about and when we executed these partnership deals, it was less about how much money we were going to be, you know, delivering our partners and more about the learning, the education, the innovation, the activation that we can work on with them. Because we really, this is a marriage for many years because this isn't just a seven week or an eight week sprint. We're literally going to be here fighting this out for years and it's going to be the partners that we're doing it with that I think are going to give us an advantage um, or I shouldn't say give us an advantage, give us an opportunity to help defer the fact that we didn't launch with a big database or a big brand um, on April 4th. Let's, uh, let's end it there. Listen, I uh, can't thank the three of you enough. Uh, Rick, thank you and Spotlight Sports Group for, for presenting this, this webinar and for, for working with us. And Aubrey, you and Nick uh, giving up your lunch hour to do this. Really appreciate it. Really informative. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd like to, I'm sure we'll be doing this again at some point and I'd love to sit down 12 months now. Cause I think as Nick, Aubrey and you and Rick have put it so eloquently, I mean, we, we are in a, this is a marathon. This isn't uh this isn't a hundred yard dash. And I think we're going to be in a much different place with the industry 12 months from now. So thanks again. Thanks to our viewers for, for joining us. Um, this will be on demand. So you can, Nick, you can, you can watch yourself in action uh, as soon as we, as soon as we finish here. You know me so well. You know me so well, Steve. Yeah, great to see you guys. And thanks thanks so much again. And everybody, enjoy. Please enjoy the rest of your week, okay? Take care. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.